Hey humans, how's it going? Susan Ruth here. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hey Human Podcast. So first thing I want to say is last episode with Elisa, you know, we were so far apart from each other. She was in Johannesburg, I was in New York. There was all sorts of noise and craziness and her voice is very quiet and my voice is rather loud. And I'm still learning all this editing and, and uh, sound quality things as I go. Um, a one woman show here. Um, so I know for some of you it was really, it was hard to hear in some places and kind of crazy loud in other places. I want you to know I'm working on it actually. I'm taking a little lesson from a friend this weekend and I'm really excited about it. And he's going to show me how to make all those issues go away. So I'm learning as I go and I hope you're patient with me. Um, and once I get that all squared away, uh, I will re-post that episode. I figured out how to do it within <laughs> so within the, the program that I work with, so that's good. You know, it's a learning curve. Everything is a learning curve and you just kind of, I guess, got to go for it and hope for the best. So I really appreciate everybody hanging in there with me as I uh, go through my growing pains. That being said, for all of you listening, the sound of my voice out there in Etherland. If you would take a minute to um, go to whichever place you listen to the podcast through, whether it's iTunes, especially iTunes, because um, I know that that's like a real big thing for them, but any of the places you you do your listening device, um, you know, your podcast apping through, go and rate and review Hey Human. It would be fantastic. I've been getting some really great reviews um, and it's wonderful. But the more I get, the further up in the metrics the podcast goes on, on iTunes and in the various podcast apps, and it just helps get the word out. So that would be fantastic. Um, usual stuff, social medias, Hey Human Podcast. You can find me all over there. Uh, you can always email me, susan at heyhumanpodcast.com. And if you would wish to support Hey Human Podcast, you can do so two ways. One, by going to heyhumanpodcast.com and clicking on the support button and donating anything you'd like to support Hey Human. Or if you shop at Amazon, uh, you can go to the Amazon portal on the homepage of heyhumanpodcast.com and shop on Amazon. And that also helps support Hey Human if you do so through that portal. So those are the ways you can help Hey human. So episode 91 is with Alex Robkin and Alex is a family member of mine and he's a lovely guy. He's a whip smart uh, mathematics major, uh, speaks Japanese, the coolest person. Uh, he is also an addict and has been through three tours of rehab and he has, as of today, as of this very day, he has been clean and sober for almost eight months. Uh, he is up to 239 days as of today. So that's super exciting. And I'm really, really proud of him. Um, I'm also honored that he agreed to be on the show. And he spoke really candidly uh, about, uh, really candidly, that's redundant. And he spoke candidly about his addiction and he spoke candidly about his process of getting clean and the struggles therein and the triumphs. Uh, if any of you are struggling with addiction, this is a definitely a must listen to know that it's, it's possible to get to the other side. Uh, I will uh, also say for anyone who is struggling with a loved one or a friend or maybe even you know, somebody at work or, you know, somebody that you know is, is using, uh, don't give up on them. You know, they, they can get clean. It can happen. Uh, I've seen it happen, obviously. And sometimes I think when, when one, when a person loses faith in themselves, it feels really good to know that somebody else has faith in them for them. You know what I mean? It, it's like, lifting the person up who's who's gotten to the point where they don't know how to lift themselves up. And yes, sometimes it's very difficult. Addiction is, can be a very, very dark place and it could take everyone down with it, uh, everyone around the addict. And that's a real thing. 
but there's, as Alex said, there's hope still. There's still hope that things will get better. Uh, and I hope that this episode uh, speaks to all of you listening uh, for empathy for those going through addiction and for an understanding of what it does to the families uh, and friends and loved ones of those around the person who is going through the addiction and sobriety and just everything. It's just, I was, it's a good episode, I think. Um, I'm just really proud of him. So I'm going to put links, of course, on heyhumanpodcast.com about uh, places where you can reach out to if you need help or maybe if you know somebody that needs help. Uh, there's also the Al-Anon, the adult stuff for people who grew up in alcoholic homes or houses with uh, drugs and maybe you don't have an issue yourself, but you grew up in that family and, you know, it still certainly creates its challenges as, as you grow up and, and face your own life. Even if you're not addictive, uh, it still, you know, still gives you things to work with, work on and work toward. Uh, I speak from experience. So anyway, uh, much love to everyone. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, here we go. Hi, Alex. Hello. How are you? I am fabulous. Thanks for being on Hey Human. <laughs> My pleasure. <laughs> so uh, you and I are related. Can I say that? We don't have to say well, that. Well, you said it, so I guess so. Yeah, but I can always report over it. If no, you don't fine. want to be known as being related to weird old me. We can start over. Hi, Alex. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for being on Hey Human. <laughs> My pleasure, still. <laughs> <laughs> we, get it. we need a producer to edit that out. I'm the producer. I'll edit that out. <laughs> Great. <laughs> anyway, I appreciate the fact that you are on the show. Thank you. Um, what's that? Uh, all the pen. There's a lot of ink stains on this floor. Oh, there is. Yeah. I, I noticed there was some cat, cat stain too. Like yeah. throw up <laughs> hairball yeah, stain. Yeah, yeah. Lots of cats. Um. Anyway, so you, I asked if you would be on the show to talk about addiction, and mm -hmm. you said yes. I was super stoked. So here we are. Um. So you are sober mm -hmm. currently, and hopefully. Forever. <laughs> That's we'll see the how plan. it goes one day at one a time. Day at a time, right? Yeah. So how old were you when you started uh, using and what was your drug of choice? Um, well, the first time I ever used any drug was when I drank alcohol in eighth grade English class. Uh, it's totally unplanned. It's just my friend brought, smuggled some from his parents and I was like, okay, I'll try it out. And it's like, wow, this feels really, really awesome. Um, Kind of was like a mellow progression from there. Just kind of did the usual, like, smoking pot, drinking in high school kind of thing. Then I turned into a lot of smoking pot. Well, did you did you go immediately from 8th grade drinking to starting smoking pot, or did you wait till you It was like a year. School? I waited till I was well, in high okay. school. Okay, high school's ninth grade? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and did you have anything to, in your brain, like, uh, this isn't... Oh, so I was thinking back to when I first... I think I first drank alcohol. I was 14. Mm -hmm. which I don't really remember what grade that is. Um, Same time, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. I think that, that's like a normal... In class, maybe not as normal. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty ballsy. Yeah, I had to give a presentation after that, too. Got an A. This point of pride for me in my life, I guess, in a twisted sort of way. Yeah, I mean, did you <laughs> do you think it took the edge off so you could? You felt like you felt like you could? You know, that liquid courage thing? Mm. Or, and that kind of made you go, oh, I, think, I want to do this more? Or? It felt very comfortable. Um, but I don't think it... I didn't feel like it was helping me, I guess. I just thought it felt good, you know? Yeah. And, I mean, I could tell I wasn't like quite as in control as I usually was, um, but that kind of was cool in like a dangerous sort of way, like living on the edge, teenager style, I don't know. Yeah. Would you consider yourself having been a, a shy person or pretty outgoing or? Um, I was shy in certain situations and very not shy in other situations. Like in the classroom setting, I've always been very talkative um, and... If I'm with people I know pretty well, then I don't think I'm, then I'm not very shy, but if I'm in, like, a situation where it's, like, a social thing where I don't know a lot of people and there's a lot of people around me, then I tend to not talk very much. Yeah. 
but definitely a little bit of anxiety, I think, was part of what made it feel so good, because that was definitely uh, relieved a lot. After after you did it? Yeah. Yeah. So you went from drinking casually to, were you drinking every day or anything, or just not really? You, were no, you I mean, really... I drink like, I mean, it's like impossible to get when you're like 14, so sure. I was just... Just I mean, socially. Once in, like, every several months or whatever. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like, just the normal teenage kind of thing. So, yeah. what was these pot was your first drug drug? Yeah. Well, I consider alcohol just as much a drug as pot. It's just, yeah. you know, a cultural thing. Yeah, um, totally. But, I, I agree with you on that, actually. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, alcohol, or weed was my next one. Um, and, again, a similar experience, just like this feels awesome in a totally different way but still like that like overwhelming pleasurable sensation like kind of like removed from real world problems and my everyday kind of psychology I guess yeah were you getting stoned a lot uh not at first but like over time like say 10th grade picked up a little bit and then by 11th grade it was like uh five times a week at least kind of thing yeah what, was it a, an escapism thing, or just to take the edge off of thing, or? It was just, I mean, I... Or did you know at the time? I definitely didn't know at the time. I just did it because I, I enjoyed it, and my friends were doing it, too. Um, and it didn't really have any, like, to me, detrimental effects on, like, my school or You still got good life. grades and stuff. I mean, I got, like, the same grades as I got before. As always, in high school, I didn't, like, do homework either before or after that. So, like, <laughs> I got pretty good grades, but not, like, amazing grades. Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, all right, so do you think if uh, if your friends hadn't really been into it, do you think you still would have gotten into it a little bit on your own or not so much? I mean, I, I think a lot of times it's our friends that are the influence. But I think Which is it's such a cliche, I yeah. know, but I mean, I think that is true. I think also it brought us together, like, you know, it's kind of like a chicken or the egg kind of thing, like, were we friends because we like to smoke a lot of pot, or do we smoke a lot of pot because we were friends, you know, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. um, I mean, like, you seek out people with similar interests. I like smoking weed, so I hung out with other people that like smoking weed. Like, I had non stoner friends too, but it just was a different kind of area, I guess. So I think. I, I mean, there's stoners everywhere, so probably oh, still. Totally. <laughs> Did you, um, let's see if I can throw this up on something. I feel like I'm getting, just so it doesn't, because we're both bouncing up and down on this oh, yeah. carpet there. That'll help a lot. Edit that out, producer. <laughs> oh, wait, that's me. Okay. <laughs> so, um, well, it's always interesting. I look back on the, when I got stoned in high school and, uh, trying to remember, for me, it was escapism for sure. Um for stress and things like that but um I think part of it too was I found the people who got stoned far more interesting than the people that didn't I mean I probably wasn't looking that hard maybe but no totally like there's a certain like mystique about it that really appealed to my teenage self I think like um you know like I was really into music and counterculture and like weed was very representative of that you know so like I felt like it kind of like you know, made me cooler, you know, like, really, uh, like, emphasize that part of my personality that, like, you know, I wanted to show to the world, I guess. Right, the artsy self. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it is definitely uh, a part of that culture, I think. I don't know if it is as much anymore, but it certainly was at one time. I guess it always will be that. Yeah. It's inescapable. Oh, did, did, uh, were you feeling weird about it, like, with your family or anything, or did you just kind of keep it on the down low, or... Um, I was relatively good about keeping on the down low, like, my mom, I think, was, like, slightly worried about it, but didn't really, like, I was, she knew a lot more than my dad did, um, because I I knew she wouldn't try and stop me. (laughs) So you didn't hide it as much? Yeah, exactly. Oh, interesting. Um, and, I mean, in high school, me and my dad, like, butted heads all the times about, like, everything, so, um. I knew that that, that was, was not going to work Was that also a chicken the egg thing? Do you think it was because you were doing drugs that you had a more defensive, or do you think you just were, it's that regular mm, growing pains? I think it's just the regular growing pains. He was just always the more strict parent than my mom. Yeah. Um, I think it's mostly just being a teenager, you know? Sure. Yeah. I understand. I mean, I think part of the thing about, I, I can't speak for all kids, obviously, mm-hmm. just my own personality. I know that, I think, 
clashing with parents is because you, you are such an individual and yeah and it it's got to be hard to be a parent having not been one but I think I do believe that parents are supposed to not be your friend but be you know it's it's a weird sort of utilitarian or not utilitarian uh what's the word I'm looking for what is it what is the word I'm looking for that's like where they rule all authoritarian authoritarian yeah. thank you I know it was a tarian <laughs> It's like an authoritarian, you know, dictatorship yeah. thing with parents and they're not supposed to be your friend. But at the same time, I think as a teenager, it feels a lot of out of control, a lot of out of control. And, and sometimes you just need someone to hear you. And but, if you, if it's hard, you know, it's, I think as a teenager, you don't really understand that there's some things that like you only really know once you get to a certain age yeah and that once you get to that certain age it's just like obvious and everyone of that age knows it so you're like oh i know better i'm gonna rebel against my parents like well no they just they know what's the better thing to do in this situation sure. like you just don't have the experience it's like hard to rely on other people's life experience i guess you know? yeah i think that's true and then there's that old saying that you know if somebody else tells you versus if your parents tell you you're gonna listen to the the other person, yeah. more likely. Even if they said the exact same thing. Yeah. And that's just part of it, I guess. You know, birds push their young out of the nest right at the beginning, don't they? <laughs> I think they regurgitate some worms for them they first do. or something. <laughs> <laughs> they do. Uh, they definitely do. So, um, how long did you smoke pot before you moved to the next step? I mean, I smoked pot till the very end. But, oh, you did? Um, yeah. I mean, not so much like when I last relapsed. I mean, I still smoke some pot. Like, pot is just, like, ubiquitous. Like, so hard to... If you're doing other drugs, it's so hard to say no to pot because it's, like, the most harmless drug, you know, so... Yeah. But anyways, um... I mean, and when I did, did you start smoking? Because you started smoking, too, right? I started smoking when I was 19. Oh, late. Yeah. Why so late? Uh... That's crazy. It was, like, a weird thing where, like, I had some stress going on in my life and, like, I thought that it would help and... I don't, I don't know why beyond that. Yeah. It just stuck though. Yeah. Well, it's meant to stick. Yeah. It's kind of its thing. But it sucks so much at first, you know, like if you just like stop while it still sucks, it's so much better, but I kept pushing through. I mean, that was another thing where I thought it looked super cool and like made you cooler. Like I think subconsciously I really believe that even though if like anybody asked me that, I would say, no, that's stupid. Like, cause logically I knew that was stupid, but it's like emotionally, it's like smoking cigarettes is awesome. It looks so cool. Um. Yeah. But anyways, uh, like, throughout high school, I experimented with other drugs, too. Like, I did, like, mushrooms every once in a while. I did ecstasy a couple times. Senior year, I did, like, cocaine a couple times. Um, but again, limited by, like, supply. And, you know, I wasn't like that. Like, it was fun, but, like, I still had uh, some sense of, like, control at that time. Um... Meaning you weren't that into it that... It yeah, I mean, like, I like to smoke weed and I like to go to parties with my friends, but I wasn't, like, trying to, like, do drugs all the time. It's just like, oh, like, we're bored, let's go do mushrooms or whatever. Right. Sure. Um, but it definitely started some bad habits, I think, that got worse when I went to college and made it really difficult to, like, be successful there. What do you think, I mean, because you're a smart kid, you are very smart, obviously, and here you got to go to the, the university and, and you're in classes and stuff. Did you, before the first time you, so when did you take heroin for the first time? Uh, when I was 22. So you were already in college. I was, was that, dropped out of college already at that point. Okay, so you dropped out first. Yeah. Okay, so what was the thing that sort of made... That made the college situation nosedive. Um, was that more stress related or drug related? It wasn't really. I mean, it was both, and also just a like bad habits. Like in high school, I didn't really like study that much. I knew my teachers a lot better, so I could like, you know, like schmooze with them a little bit more to like, you know, grease the wheels and make it so they gave me a good grade despite like missing class all the time. In college, you can't do that. If you miss a class, you're just fucked. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, like, it was, you know, like, first two years, like, we're okay. Um, then I broke up with my girlfriend at the time. It's like, oh, I'm free. Time to just, like, party really hard now. And um, had some friends that were, like, you know, doing, like, ecstasy and 
drinking heavily like every night and I kind of fell into that crowd and I never went to my classes anymore so I pretty much I failed two quarters in a row and then I dropped out just because I wasn't going to my classes. Did your parents know? No I somehow I thought like I could just pull it off or just like not tell them for a long time so they didn't find out for like another like year after that. Holy shit seriously? (laughs) Yeah. Are you kidding? No. Oh my god. (laughs) Yeah because I wasn't I mean my mom knew because I was like with her but my dad I was only seeing him for lunch every once in a while so he never. And your mom didn't tell your dad? No they like they aren't one to have like a casual conversation really. Yeah. Wow. That's so nutty. Yeah. Okay, so you drop out of school, mm-hmm. and where are you? Because to me, it seems like this vicious circle, mm-hmm. cycle, whichever you want to call it, same thing, mm-hmm. that you are now feeling pretty shitty, probably. And so to placate that, was it like that, or was it more it like... It was kind of like that. There's a lot of denial. Like, I'd like... I'd always tell myself, like, oh, I just gotta, like, pick myself up by my bootstraps tomorrow, and then I'll be back in school by the next quarter, and then tomorrow came, and it was just the same, like, playing video games and hitting the bong with my friends, you know? Yeah. Um, were you depressed, or were you just monotasking? I, <laughs> I don't think I was depressed as much as just really lost and unsure of what to do. I was kind of, like, at this, like, turning point in my life where, like... It's like purgatory. Like I could either like, like do something about my life and like try and get back into school, or I could just like go down the rabbit hole of like using a lot of drugs. And I chose the drugs. That, yeah. Were you bored? Mm, yeah, I'd say I was pretty bored. Um, I mean, all I was doing really was like working at a restaurant and going home. The drug home. culture's <laughs> pretty intense at a restaurant too. I yeah, know, all my friends who have worked restaurants, they're, the drug situation's pretty. This hardcore. is a pretty like mostly upper end one. So yeah. like, uh, and I was in the front of the house, which I think is a little bit less so. So there's like a lot of drinking, but I was definitely a, the main heavy drug user that I knew of. Like, if other people were using drugs, they're keeping it really hush hush. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was I was bored, but I wasn't too bored because I was living with one of my best friends, and like you know, I was. At least I had someone to talk to and, like, you know, hang out with. Um, But I definitely felt like I wasn't doing what I should be doing with my life, but I didn't really know how to stop that. How are you feeling about, um, since your dad didn't know for so long? It must have been weird when you saw him. It was weird. I mean, I just avoided seeing him very much. Yeah. You know? Um, I was pretty much just hiding from the world in general. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, and then... Like, that was, it was already pretty bad, and then I was downtown, and somebody offered me some heroin. I was like, oh, I'll try that, because I, you know, I thought, like, in my mind... No, no, someone I didn't know, um, just some random street kid downtown. Yeah. Um, and in in my mind, I was still, like, had all the drugs under control. Like, I was really good at, like, experimenting with them and, like, putting them down again, and, you know, I was still okay, but in reality, I was, like, totally not in control (laughs) of my using, um... Just to, you know, just because, like, I could, like, only smoke weed some days didn't mean I was okay. Um, right. So I I tried that. Um, I wasn't really good at using it, though. Um, Wait, like, at, the, at the heroin? Yeah. Was like, it in pill form? It was it's just a black chunk. Like, they in the West Coast, it's all black tar heroin, so... What is that? I don't know. It's what, just, um... Like a lump, and then you heat it up? Yeah, you, uh, you can either smoke it or you can shoot it. Um, I never really got into the shooting thing, but you can just stick it on a piece of tinfoil, hold a lighter underneath it, and, like, uh, put a straw in your mouth, and, like... Yeah. It'll suck up the vapor. But okay. I wasn't really sure how that whole thing worked, so I didn't really get it the first time. Yeah. Um... So I tried to put it down for a while, um, but then like a year or so later, like I was having a lot of monetary troubles because I wasn't making very much money at my job, so I ended up having to move out of my apartment. I was feeling really depressed about that. Where did you end up moving? Back to my mom's house. Um, and uh, I had found some more and tried it again. This time it worked better, and then just kind of turned into... A, everyday thing like before I knew it 
So you're just smoking it? Yeah. Not, no, because does it not come in pill form, too? No, heroin doesn't come in pill oh, form. Okay. I must be thinking of the Oxycontin stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's... Did you do any of that stuff? Um, I had dabbled with it, like, in co- the college days. and Yeah. You know, but I wasn't. that was never, like, my everyday thing. Because I was, like, nobody had, like, a huge supply of that. So I just, like, try it out when I was around and then put it down later. So the first, the first time you smoke the heroin, you're like, oh, well, I'll try this. Somebody's just giving it to me and, and what the hell. But the second time... <laughs> When you did it and it worked out, were you like, oh, it's on? Or did you think, oh, shit, I better not do this again? Did you Uh have, you know what I mean? Did you have that crossroads in your brain where you went, "Eh, I don't know. This is slippery stuff here. I mean, I knew I really liked it. Why did you like it? It was, I mean, thing about, like, heroin and opiates in general is that it's almost, like, the most, it's like... It really gets down to the heart of, like, what is pleasurable about drugs. Mm. Like, you know, weed feels good, but it has, like, you know, the associated, like, paranoia and munchies and you feel all, like, weird and, Mm. and, like, same thing with, like, acid and cocaine and blah, 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 blah. But heroin is just, like, pure waves of pleasure as soon as you do it. It's just, like, just feels great, you know? (laughs) Um, But only the first few times right doesn't it wear that euphoria wear off i mean it's never like the first time but you always feel a lot better after you do it yeah um but you know like for me the first time i did it like it was just like any other drug like when like i said when i did first drank or first smoked weed it's like this is awesome uh you know like i want to do it more so it didn't seem any different i didn't realize that it could get a lot worse than that you know um I didn't really understand what it meant to be, like, into full-blown heroin addiction. How yet. often were you using? Oh, I mean, you know, I, like, there's, like, the honeymoon phase, and then after that, it's, like, every day, all day long, pretty much, because... You just have to keep smoking it all day? Yeah, I mean, I was probably... The first... Before I went to rehab, the first time, it's, like, $60 a day was, like, my average using oh. amount. Yeah. Did you have a job then? Yeah. So I was, that's just, why I was working at the restaurant. So it just went straight into it. Yeah, like I get my tips. Involved? I'd like bug the servers as a busboy. So I'd bug the servers like, hey, can I get my tip today? Can I get my tip today? Because I always need that money. It's gone immediately. Um, you know, usually they would like take their time and like you like give it to the managers and the managers give it to you later. But I was always on them to get it as fast as possible because I needed it to yeah. stay well. What would happen if you didn't? Oh, you get sick. Um, you know, you just... It feels kind of like the flu, but, like, also, like, the... With this mental state of total panic and, like, you just need it. And it, you just feel like your world's going to end if you don't get it as soon as possible. I'm curious, when you're in that moment and you know... Well, you, you know what's coming. And does, is there a moment in that where you think, okay, clearly this is not okay now. My body is freaking out. Did, did any, you know, there's the devil and the angels on yeah. your shoulders. Did the angel ever say, holy shit, dude, this is not okay. Or did you not, did you just override that every time? I mean, by the time you're starting to get sick, it's like you realize that, but it's also too late at that point. Um, because of like, you have still have to go to work and you still have to like wake up and face the day and like, you know, you don't want to be sick anymore and like you don't want to keep using heroin and keep going down this road but you also have to do all these like day-to-day activities and it seems impossible to do without in the moment yeah in the moment yeah Yeah, i mean but because we've all had the flu and we just sort of ride it out but there's not like that psychological aspect of it where like i mean the thing is addiction like overrides like your like reptilian brain thing where like you start it starts being, like, food or water. Like, you need it for survival, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's that what it, it seems like. If you don't have it, you're going to die. Right. And, like, you can logically know that's not true, but, like, your body and your mind are still sending you signals, like, you need this now, you need this now, constantly. So were you still able to maintain the secrecy around it, around the people who knew and loved you, or...? Um, I think my mom suspected something was up, but she didn't really know what. Um, and she didn't ask you? She didn't ask me, like, are you doing heroin? She, I mean, 
I don't, I don't really know what she was thinking at that time. Um, I think she was really worried, but just didn't know what to do. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of parents have that conundrum. Yeah. Yeah. So, $60 a day, did it go up from there? Um, it went up from there if I had the money for it. Uh, like, every payday I would, like, do more, um... So you're slowly upping your addiction, right? Or is it the same addiction, I guess? You're just slowly upping your amount? I don't really... I mean... Know how to put that exactly. Like, my tolerance is definitely going up, but, like, it's like there's the baseline of what I needed, and then there's, like, what I wanted, which is way up here. Well, it's, like, never-ending, pretty much. Like, I could just keep going forever. Um... And the baseline never really changed, and then, like, what I could actually do, like, varied based on... Finances? Yeah, pretty much. Wait, did you have friends that were doing it, too? No, it was just me. Did I your mean, friends know you were doing it? Uh, some of them did. Were um, they freaking, or no big deal? Well, I had some friends that were, like, more, like, open to drug experimentation like me, so I did it with them a few times. Um, but they never really, like, got into the habit of doing it all the time. Sure. And then my best friend... I forget what triggered it, but I told him eventually because I felt like he had to know and then he kind of, he freaked out and didn't know what to do either. Oh, he, because I got fired from my job at um, the restaurant because I was like a mess and like, he had also worked there previously and other, my coworkers from the restaurant started telling him like, oh, we're worried about Alex. He's like scratching his arm all the time. He looks like he hasn't slept in a week, blah, blah, blah. And then he confronted me and I pretty much told him from there. What's the arm scratching? Oh, you just get really itchy when you do opiates. Um, what about pooping? Did you get to poop ever? Because I know that they, I know that's a silly question, but yeah. I know it, it binds people up so bad. Yeah, um... You must have felt like shit. I mean, I was sick often enough that, like, and when you get sick, it's like the dams break loose, oh, so, like, okay. that, like, it didn't end up being that big of a problem that time around. Yeah. It kind of became a bigger problem like down the road like way down the road like I have a thing of Miralax in that drawer right there from the last time because like it was that was becoming an issue then so you had not yet gone to the rehab the first time and things are spiraling you lose your job yep your your habit is how are you paying for your habit if you don't have a job I got another job and I had got unemployment and I was kind of doing like sketchy stuff for money like I started to like Actually, I can't remember. I don't think I started stealing from my parents yet at this point, but that came down the road, too. Um, but what happened was I ended up uh, pawning my mom's boyfriend's laptop, thinking I was going to get money later that day from somewhere else. Yeah. And then um, the money never came, so I couldn't get the laptop back, and then he found out, and then he called my dad, and then that's how, where it all went uh, to hell. Yeah. How did he find out that you had pawned the laptop? Well, they kind of knew I was, like, getting more into drugs now, and, like, because okay. I was, like, asking my parents for money more often, too, and they were like, no, we're not going to give you any more fucking money, Alex. Yeah. Um, and so, as soon as he saw his guy, he's like, he messaged me like where the hell is the laptop because he's an accountant and there's like a whole bunch of client information oh, on shit. there so I didn't realize that at the time but that made it like a way bigger deal yeah um so I told him and my dad was like what the hell's going on yada 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 and then I went to rehab eventually because did I was you like, want to go to rehab first I told him hell no um I don't need rehab blah 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 but then forget what happened, but something happened that made me change my mind. I was like, I'm just sick of this. Like, sure, I'll give it a shot. Like, I thought of rehab was just really scary at the time. Like, going away for four weeks. Like, not being able to leave. Like, being stuck with all these other addicts. Like, it was not very appealing to me, but I was like, hey, maybe this is my shot of getting better again. Yeah. Did you, uh, find camaraderie in the rehab place? Oh, yeah. It was actually, in a lot of ways, a lot of fun. Like, you know... We, it was organized in, like, these little groups where you, like, and you have, like, group therapy with your group and have, eat with your group and go around the rehab with your group. Um, 
And that was cool because then you had like an immediate social network right there. And I just remember like going in the first day and like, like just laughing for the first time in a long time, like really like, like deep down belly laugh, like free of drugs and like just actually feeling good. Yeah. And that was just like a amazing feeling at the time. Was it detoxing to get to that point? must have been heinous. You know, that first time it wasn't that bad because they like, they gave like medical assistance for you. Oh, sure. That makes sense. Um... And I don't think, you know, I hadn't been using for that long, so I don't think my, like, the detox wasn't as bad as it would be in the future. Um, I don't really remember, like, I, it was hard to sleep at first, but other than that, I was pretty okay. Did you start digging into the reasons why then, or were you still not really into that? Mm. I Honestly, I've never really dug too deeply into the reasons why other than I mean the one thing I I think a lot of addicts have in common is that they feel apart from the group as a whole and they feel like socially uneasy and drugs make them feel more socially at home with their fellow human Mm -hmm. but other than that I, I don't think why is that important. It's more about, like, accepting that you are an addict and what are you going to do about that today. Um, Like, there's no, like, secret, like, that you have buried deep down that, like, you'll understand and all of a sudden you won't be an addict anymore because you understand yourself so well. It's more just, like, changing your behavior and changing your... the way you think about things and your perspective. You have to kind of talk your brain out of making certain choices. I mean, do you physically have to say, okay, brain, no, that's a bad idea, or is it easier every time? Once, uh, like, the, the way that they talk about addiction and treatment is that, like, it's, once you st- stop doing it, you have a tendency to, like, go back to it, over, like, try it again, like, down the road, and once you do it, you just keep doing it again and again. Um, so... But there's, like, that, once you get off of it, there's, like, that initial period where it's, like, not very hard to stay off of it. And you kind of just got to build on that, I guess. And, like, like for me, like, making the right choice isn't about, like, not, like, choosing not to do drugs today. Like, that's, of course, like, step one. But, like, it kind of, you build on that and you're like, okay, I'm going to choose to go to a meeting today. I'm going to choose to go to, like, call my sponsor or work on my steps or I'm going to... You know, even, like, things like I'm going to choose to clean my room or, like, go to school or, you know, go to my job. Just, like, making, like, general right life choices. And then you get farther and farther from that point of relapse. But then you, like, build from the bottom up, but then you can kind of relapse from the top down and, like, throw one thing away and another thing away. And all of a sudden you're, like, back to, like, where it's just, like, you having to choose, like, I'm not going to do drugs today again. Yeah. No, it's just an everyday decision. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so after the first trip through rehab, you get out mm-hmm. and feeling good, I assume. Everything's kind of back to normal or? Yeah. Um, I mean, things weren't back to normal. I still had a lot of wreckage in my life to deal with. Um, had a lot of debt. Still wasn't in school. Because um, you had to pay back school stuff, right? Because you dropped Yeah, out. I didn't do that this time, at this point. Um, I just moved into an uh, Oxford house, which is like a clean living house where like they have a lot of rules and everyone has to be involved in like the governance of the house and you have meetings and talk Mm -hmm. about house issues and that kind of thing um which is a really cool i love oxford houses i think they're awesome but mine was in the middle of nowhere and uh it made it really difficult for this kid with no car to like kind of like do the things he needed to do for his recovery like go to meetings every day um, build a relationship with other, you know, sober people, and I was really isolated. Um, that's not good. Yeah. I mean, like, I had, like, my housemates around, but it wasn't enough. Like, I was, like, I was just in this little bubble in the middle of the woods, pretty much. Yeah, I remember that place. Yeah. Um, so it just wasn't, it seemed like a good idea at the time, but in reality, it was not the place for a long-term sobriety for me. Now, had you gone completely sober, or were you still like, oh, heroin is a bad idea? Oh, no, no that can... was, like, something they made immediately clear at rehab, is that you can't, like, a drug is a drug is a drug. Like, 
I went in thinking like, oh, I'll go back to like smoking weed casually like I did back when I was 15. But they like, no, you can't do that. You just have to. Just nothing. Yeah. Because, you know, your brain can't really tell the difference when it really gets down to it. Like, like if you're smoking heroin or smoking weed, like it's still going to like cause that dopamine imbalance in your brain. And when you're in recovery, like you need time for your brain to go back to normal. And they have this phrase, it's like. You can't unpickle a pickle. Like, once you're a pickle, you're always a pickle. You can't turn it back into a cucumber. Um, That's an interesting phrase. Yeah. Personally, I love pickles. <laughs> yeah. But the point is, like, once you're an addict, you can't go back to being not an addict. Yeah, so, um, I get it. Yeah. It's an interesting uh, way to put it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, like, they really drilled into my mind that you had to be completely clean and sober. Okay, so you're out, mm-hmm. and you're sober, you're doing your steps, you're doing, except for you're kind of off in Timbuktu trying right. to do it. Is that what, where did you fall down again? Um, How long, too? I made it about uh, four months-ish, a little bit less, I think, like three and a half months. Um, and Were you I, still in the house? Yeah. And I... I was in Seattle, though, like, visiting, coming back and visiting a friend or something like that, um, and I feel like, I could tell I was feeling a little weird when I was waiting for the bus, I was, like, in the neighborhood where I used to, like, run and gun, you know, I knew I could find stuff, I was like, I'm gonna, I had this great idea, like, I'm gonna take a look around the block and see if, like, anybody's around, and then, sure enough, someone was. And, like, I was like, oh, but I've, I'm just going to see if they're there. I'm not going to do anything, I'm, you know. But they saw me, and they're like, hey, man, you need anything? And immediately I was like, okay, yes, I do. And it's just like a split-second decision, and then... Do you think... So even being in that neighborhood, do you that was a choice too, right? You didn't have to be in that neighborhood? It was a choice, but, I mean, even nowadays I still have to go to that neighborhood because it's downtown Seattle, and sometimes, like, that's where I need to catch a bus. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely... It was a choice to, like, seek out drug dealers, pretty much. Um, Were you ever scared? Um, yeah, there's some situations where I was scared to be in, for sure. Like, can you tell anyone? Tell one, or? Um, there's just times, like, when I was, like, I was buying drugs from somebody, and they'd take me up to their, like, apartment or something then leave the apartment and come back with the drugs. It's like, are they going to come back with, like, a baseball bat and, like, smash my head in and take all my money or something like that? Um, so there's definitely risky situations I put myself in. Like, you're not around very, you know, wholesome people. Yeah. Um, did you ever end up shooting up? I did two, two maybe three times. Um, but, it, <laughs> yeah, it was not... I just something... didn't picture that. Sorry, I think <laughs> my shoulders go up. <laughs> I, I never, like, in, didn't seem, like, that much more amazing than spoken it, and it was a lot more of a pain in the ass, so I just never got super into it. Yeah. That must have been a surreal moment, the first time you did that. It, it was kind of, it was like, oh, this is, like, the last, like, check to mark or whatever. Yeah. Um, I'm, like, a full-blown junkie now. Um, but thankfully it never became, like, a... A thing. Yeah. So, okay, you are in the old neighborhood, and you've made the decision, then what? Um, well, see, the thing is, like, before every relapse, like, you always tell yourself the same lie, like, oh, it's just gonna be one time, just and, to try it out. Yeah. And then as soon as you do it, you're like, okay, when's the next time gonna be? Were you immediately pulled back in? Well, first it's just, like enjoying the high but also feeling really guilty and like also kind of like has the adrenaline rushing through me because like oh my god I just relapsed like what's gonna happen now um so like when you're like first take the drug for the first time again like you feel just feeling all crazy and it's not like you're pulled back in but then the next day is like it's like you can feel your brain chemistry has changed you're like you're back to like craving that drug all the time yeah so how long were you using until the second time in rehab? Uh, let's see. I'd say like four and a half months. And I went how, to a detox. 
How bad was the habit that you had worked up to the second I, time? I mean, it gets worse every time. I'd moved up to like probably about a gram a day, which is like 80 bucks. Um, I was doing like, like a benzodiazepines with it too. I don't know what that is. Like Xanax, oh. uh, Valium, that kind of thing. So those are all downers, are they not? Or opioids? And- yeah, they're both downers and like that's an easy way to overdose too, but um... It was, they potentiate each other, so it, like, made the high stronger, which is mm. why I liked it. Yeah. Did any part of you think, oh, my God, I could overdose, or were you, did, did that not even occur I thought you? I was protected by the fact that I was smoking and not shooting up, which, you know, wasn't true. Um, but I never had a situation, I never had any close calls where I felt like I was about to overdose. Is it weird to talk about this stuff? Does it put a craving, or does are you in a, in a place now where you're like, oh, I could talk about this, it's not a big deal? I mean, this is, a, like, a story I've told so many times that, like, it's kind of, like, no big deal. lost its luster with the telling, I guess. Yeah, yeah. sure. Um, you know, you have to talk about this in, like, treatment and stuff, so. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so up to 80 bucks a day habit. Mm-hmm. That seems like a lot. It seems yeah. very expensive. Yeah. And did you have a job again? Yeah, I had a really good job this time where I was making, like, well, not like an amazing job, but for me, a really good job. I was making like, you know, my paychecks were like 1500 bucks every two weeks. So it's almost enough to like make it work. But then, of course, my job performance suffered. So they cut my hours. So then I wasn't making as much money. So then I was like, I stole a lot of money from my mom and my mom's boyfriend. And they were like, okay, we're borderline going to kick you out of the house. And then I, that's when I called dad again. It's like, uh, so I relapsed. They were like, yeah, we kind of figured, um, and then I went to detox at the hospital and, uh, got clean again. How was that detox? Uh, it was definitely shittier. Um. No pun intended? <laughs> well, yeah, no, it, it just, yeah, it was horrible in every way. Um, I mean, hospital food is even worse than rehab food, which I did not think was possible. Uh, there's less stuff to do. Um, but did people treat you differently? I mean, were you being marginalized at all because of being an addict or do you think that people still were compassionate and... You mean like by the hospital staff? Yeah, by staff, even by family, just in general. Um, I think people, I don't think anyone treated me badly. Um, I think... Like, my world was so small at that time that I was pretty much just interacting, like, with my best friend, my parents, and then the, uh, yeah, that was pretty much it. That was the whole social circle there. Yeah. My, my best friend was kind of getting fed up at that point with me a little bit, but, he, you know, he would still hang out with me and would still treat me like a human being. Sure. My parents were getting fed up, too, but it was, like, the same same yeah, situation pretty much. Yeah, but they love you and yeah. want you to get better. Yeah. So, did there any different kind of epiphany happen in the second rehab stint or was it all just sort of the same I didn't it wasn't a rehab it's just a detox I was only there for five days oh okay and then okay so wait so in a rehab they're actually saying let's get you off the drug and then talk about yeah it's a lot more like feelings and all that stuff it's like a lot of like therapy and education about drugs and recovery and what to do and then the detox is just 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 to get you yeah exactly um I did like outpatient after that um, but I mean, my opinion, treatment is extremely repetitive. Like if you do it once, then it's already repetitive. And if you do it twice, it's repetitive as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it's good information and stuff I needed to like hear again and think about. But, um, I think what was different the second time was that I got way more plugged into Narcotics Anonymous. Mm. And, like, would go to the same meetings every week and, like, actually see, like, the same people again and, like... I felt like I belonged in that community a lot more the second time around. Was it easier to be around people that... I mean, it's one thing with people who love you and say, we're here for you, but they don't quite... You know, there's that, oh, you don't really understand, and then you go someplace like N.A., and suddenly you're in a room full of people that are like, you think that's bad? (laughs) You know, I fucked a chicken, (laughs) you know, or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's, like, a huge appeal of it. Um, Yeah, I just... I remember, like... There's somebody, like, a newcomer coming to this meeting for the first time, and he was crying about something he did, like, he, like, ripped a, his best friend off or something like that. And then after that, like, everyone would be like, 
hey man, I did the same thing. It's all good. It's like not just that I did the same thing, but like now look where I am because I did this, this, and this. Now I have life, and now I'm like, you know, happy. I'm fulfilled. I have this inner peace, and that's like what you need to see when you're a freshly clean addict. You need to see like the light at the end of the tunnel. Sure. And not only that, but then they'll also be like, this is how you get there. Like, let me show you the way too. I mean, that's what Narcotics Anonymous is all built around, which is why it's super cool. Well, it's interesting too, because as we started talking, you said one of the thing about uh, addiction or even using, maybe not even addiction, but just using in general is that you feel like a fish out of water and you're just trying to, to jump in the pool with every, all the other fishes and you're like, this is weird, I'm weird, everything's weird, and so you do the drug, and suddenly mm. you go on, and now there's an NA that is all these fish out of water, and mm. you make your own pond. I mean... It, yeah. Um, and it teaches you... I killed you, that metaphor, by the way. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, that's pretty... You got it right. Um, <laughs> or, I drowned it. <laughs> but that's, uh... Like, NA, like... I'm trying to remember, like... They always have, they have these readings at the beginning of every meeting that you always read, and there's, um, one, um, no, never mind, sorry, forget what I just said, edit that out later. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we need the producer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, that's what NA is. Why, like, what, is it just you don't remember how it goes, or you don't want I to realized, I realized I was going to start talking about AA, and that's just a different... That's a whole other vibe? Yeah, um... Maybe it was NA. I don't know. Okay. Edit this in. Um, <laughs> Producer. <laughs> it's like, they have this thing where they say, like, we stood at the turning point, we couldn't use, we couldn't live without drugs, and we couldn't live with, with drugs. And that's, like, kind of what you're like after you stop doing the drugs, but you haven't dove into the 12-step program. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why it's really hard to stay clean without some sort of program, because... You use drugs to solve this problem you had in life, you know, like the feeling of social isolation, the feeling of, like, you know, like, worthlessness, no self-esteem, blah, 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 whatever. And you stop doing the drugs, and you have all these problems again. And not only that, but they're worse, because you made your life hell because you use drugs, and you have to deal with all these problems. So you need something to replace it, and that's what the Narcotics Anonymous or... Alcoholics Anonymous or any 12-step program does yeah, for you. Yeah, but you really like NA? Yeah, I mean, I like NA because it's uh, it's focused on addiction. It's not substance-specific. Um, like, you can be addicted to alcohol and be welcome at NA. You can be welcome, addicted to cocaine, heroin, pills, whatever, weed. Um, it's just about the disease of addiction, not about any one drug or substance. Mm. So, sex, anything. I mean, you can be addicted to anything, really, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I haven't really seen any, like, addicted to, like, certain behavior kind of people there, but I think they would, like, they would be welcome, at least at the groups I attend. Yeah. Um, okay, so how long was that sobriety? That was 21 months. Then what happens? Um, it was kind of similar to what happened the first time. It's just, like, kind of grew disconnected. Like, I did the study abroad in Japan for three months, and then when I came back, I didn't call my sponsor or go to any of the same meetings. Did you do sponsorship while you were in Japan? Do they have stuff like that? Um, I mean, they do, but I thought I would just stick with the same sponsor I had here. Okay. Um, I went to meetings when I was in Japan, but not, like, a whole bunch of them. And I just, like, got really busy in my life, and I kind of felt like I wasn't worried about relapsing anymore. Um, I didn't have time for the program anymore, and slowly, like... I said this to my dad, like, a couple months ago. It's like recovery is like a battery. You charge it up over time by doing things like service work and working your steps, call, talking to your sponsor, fellowshipping with other addicts, and your, like, battery gets a more and more charge. And then if you stop doing that stuff, you'll stay clean based on, like, the charge of your battery, but eventually it's going to go to zero, and then you're in a huge danger of relapsing. And I think... What happened was, like, I stopped doing all the stuff, but I could, like, oh, I'm still staying clean, so obviously I'm doing okay, but eventually, like, I ran out of goodwill and then was screwed. What What was that turning point, then? <laughs> you know, it's, like, the most, 
silly thing is uh, my mouth is really hurting. Um, like I like I was having issues with my wisdom teeth, um, and I was like, it was like a couple days of pain. I was just taking ibuprofen. I'm like, screw this. I'm gonna do some. I want to do like a opiate and get rid of this pain for sure. And I found some. Uh, Percocet and I did that and again I had that same thought I had the last time it'll just be like this one time hell no it wasn't just one time it was as soon as I did it that one time it was every day after that until with Percocet or did you go back to heroin until well I started out with Percocet and that ran out and uh then I went to heroin after that yeah because like oh I can't stop now I have to study for my midterm or like you know I have to go to work so you were back in school again yeah. yeah like my life is built up like tremendously and I was really successful and doing well and all my crap but um I didn't really have that like kind of like inner peace anymore um where do you think it went um I think just dissipated from a lack of like nurturing yeah I mean like that's what NA was giving me was like you know it's not about like what you have or like what you do is just about uh your relationship with yourself and yeah. I wasn't really focused on that anymore I was focused on external stuff and I mean if any I'm thankful for the relapse because it taught me that like external stuff doesn't matter at all if you're not like okay with yourself mm. I think that's true in everything right right but most people just kind of like cruise yeah, and they, like, you know, they cope with that feeling of emptiness in other ways, but an addict will go back to the heroin or the crack or whatever their so drug choice is. did you, when you started using again for the third time, how did that all go down to end up back in treatment? Um, well, I, my big plan was to just get clean on my own and go back to N.A. Um, I had this trip planned with uh, my friend to go to San Francisco for a week, and I was like, I'll get out of town, have no responsibilities, I'll detox then. And that actually worked perfectly, except that my parents found a bunch of, like, paraphernalia in my room while I was gone, and then they told me, uh, what's the deal? And I said, oh, first I tried to play it off, like, oh yeah, I used, like, once or twice, like, well, we found a lot more than just once or twice worth, um. Yeah. So, then they, like told me they weren't going to let me come back to the house. Like, they took me to a hotel room when I came back from the airport, and, like, I had to go get a drug assessment after that. Um, I thought I was going to have to go back to inpatient, which I really didn't want to do because I was about to start school again. Um, like, the next quarter was coming up. I was going to have to, like, probably quit my job if I had to do that, and I had this plan to go to Japan to, like, see my girlfriend at the time, and I didn't want to jeopardize that. Um... So, luckily, we reached an agreement to just do outpatient, um, because I had already detoxed myself. Um, was that hard? It was pretty hard, but, like, at this point, I knew I could do it. Like, I didn't have anything else to worry about besides just getting through it, and because of that, I could do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's was some days... Was it cold turkey, or did you wean yourself? It was cold turkey. I had gotten some, like, comfort medication, like something similar to, like, Valium, um, that, like, kind of helped me sleep and made me feel a little bit better for the first couple days. Sure. Um, when I was down there, I started to go to meetings to try and, like, help me, like, kind of, like, get plugged in again. Did you tell your friend that you were with that you were doing it? Uh, you found out the night before, because I was, like, kind of going really hard with, like, a, you know, like, a last hurrah, and I was, like, really, obviously really high and, like, going into the bathroom and, like, smoking heroin in his apartment. So they confronted me about it, and I was like, "Sorry, man, I'm going to, I'm gonna get clean on this chip." And he was like, "Well, okay. I mean, I didn't really want to babysit you while you're getting clean and going through withdrawals, but whatever." So it's kind of weird, but I mean, I'm glad I did it because now I'm clean again. So yeah. And how long has it been? Uh, 106 days. Congratulations. How yeah. are you feeling about it all? I mean, I wish I'd didn't do it on the one hand like I would have I always think like oh, I'm in it have like over two years now if I didn't relapse but you know Can't I'm thankful for the yeah and I'm thankful for the lessons I did learn because of it and I feel like 
I'm in a stronger place in my recovery now than I was then. Um, but, you know, it's, like, hard to be proud of my time when, like, I know, like, when it's just not, doesn't seem like that much anymore to me, you know, like, now that I've, like, had a lot of time clean, like, it's a little embarrassing still. Um, like, the certain meetings I haven't gone back to because I don't want to tell them I've relapsed, which Isn't is silly. It's interesting to me because I imagine every single person in that room is, is also probably relapsed. Yeah, there's a, you'd be surprised that there's a lot that have never, never relapsed. Really? Yeah. Um, Statistically, though, it's pretty common, is it not? It is common, but I mean, there's like... There's always those exceptions. Yeah, and there's so many people in the world that it's like, even if only 0.1% never relapse, that's still like, you know, thousands of people in, you know, any given area or whatever. Did or, you ever get uh, entangled with the law enforcement during any of this? No, I got really lucky because of that. Um, I only, the only people I stole from were like close loved ones, which is really fucked up, but I think helped me stay out of trouble with the law. Um, and I always like, I think I always looked more put together than like a lot of the like street junkies, yeah. quote unquote. Um, so I don't think the police like really were paying as much attention to me. But also it's just a lot of luck. Yeah. So you feel like you've found that center now? Yeah. Um, you know, like, like right now it's kind of like a weird time because a lot of stuff has happened in my life recently, but like, I've never like doubted my commitment to stay clean this time around. Um, like whatever else is going on in my life, like, I know that I have to stay clean, um, and, like, this, before I relapsed, like, I, like, that was, that 21 month stretch of clean time I had was, like, really showed me, like, what I was kind of, like, it gave me a hint of what I was capable of, and I knew, like, I wanted more of that and not more of the drug use, because I knew exactly where that head would head. I didn't want to be there anymore. Um, so, I, I mean, I'm just really thankful I got another chance. And I don't want to screw it up. Yeah. But still, it's one day, right? Every day. Yep. Yeah. But, I, you know, there's a lot of philosophers who are all about the be here now. So, if you can be in the moment, we're never in the future, right? We're never in the past again. Yep. So, all you have is exactly what's transpiring here. That's a... Perhaps a more calming way to... Yeah, I mean, I think the one day at a time thing is, like, I'm, it's very, like, encouraging and inspirational for me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's like, if I just make the right choice right now, then tomorrow will take care of itself. You know, it's like, no matter, like, what problems or obstacles I might have down the road, like, I just have to keep doing the right thing today, and it'll all be okay. It's, it makes it really simple, and... yeah. Yeah, it works. <laughs> Have you had any struggles with it at all? Or are you doing are you doing pretty well with it? I haven't had any temptation to use since I, this time around. Um, like that's kind of like the thing that makes me nervous about myself, though, is that like I'm the kind of person that can go a really long time without using, with no trouble at all, and then all of a sudden, like like last time, it changes. So like I've even though things are going like well right now, I'm trying to like make sure I still do what I can to. Make sure it stays that way. So going to your meetings and... Yeah. And you quit smoking. Congratulations. Thank you. That's a huge accomplishment. Yeah, it feels good. Mostly. I mean, the, smoking... Cigarette cravings take a long time to go away in my yeah. experience. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they'll go away whether you smoke or if you don't smoke. So you might as well just not smoke. Yeah. Do you feel better not having... Yeah. Um... Like, that's the easy thing to forget when you, like, after you've quit smoking for a while, it's like, how much, how shitty you feel all the time when you smoke. Like, you can never breathe well, you're coughing all the time. Like, you, like, are always stuck between, like, wanting another cigarette but not wanting another cigarette. Um, and being free from that is, like, amazing. Yeah. I'm really proud of you. Thanks. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, being here now, one day at a time. You're doing kick-ass, man. Yeah, I mean, like, the thing is, like, my imagination isn't so good that, like, 
I can think of like every possibility that awaits me in the future. So like if I just keep doing the best thing for me, like maybe what I want to happen won't happen, but maybe something better than that that I can't even picture right now will. So I, sure. you know, it kind of goes into the like trusting a higher power thing. Like I don't really believe in a supernatural God, but like I have faith that things will work out if I keep doing things like what's supposed to happen will happen if I keep doing the right thing today. Yeah. Every day is a choice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you're doing great. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for being on the show. My pleasure. Any uh, last parting wisdoms to to anyone who might be struggling? Um, If you're struggling, then you should look online for... Narcotics Anonymous, Alcoholics Anonymous meetings in your area, pick up a schedule, call the hotline. Every major area in the country has a 24-hour hotline that they will help you um, get to a meeting and figure out what the next thing to do is. Um, you know, there's As long as you're alive, there's still hope. Yeah. Thanks, Alex. You're welcome. Bye, everybody.